The Boise Dev Podcast is brought to you by Anchor. Anchor is a free platform for podcasts like this one. It allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. You can even add in songs from Spotify to help spice up those episodes. Anchor will make sure that your podcast is distributed pretty much everywhere. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, and many more. Plus, you can make money from your podcast with an ad like this. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. You are listening to the Boise Dev Podcast. Okay, we've got three folks on the podcast today. Our first multiple, uh, our first multiple guest podcast uh, with Cushman Wakefield. We've got Andrea Nilsson, Sarah Shropshire, and Leanne Hume. And these three ladies are kind of the big commercial team in town. I would say you do a lot of the retail and commercial work, and we thought we'd have you on and kind of talk about how things are going. Good morning. Good morning. So let's let's start with something easy, and any of you can jump in. Um, what led you each to the commercial real estate space? Age before beauty. We'll start with Leanne. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I actually started my career almost 22 years ago now at Albertsons Corporate Real Estate. Uh, we had one gas station at Albertsons at the time in Eagle, and they wanted to grow that business. And so myself and three other guys were hired, and we went out and tried to build gas stations on Albertsons parcels. So that was almost 22 years ago, and then um, went from there to the tenant side of the business. And then when I was done kind of traveling constantly, I was I decided to become a broker. So that was almost it was 16 years ago. Wow. Yeah. So you've been at this a while. Sarah, yeah. what what made you get into this? I wish I had a great story, but I <laughs> fell into it. Um, I don't have family history. I don't have, I didn't work for another corporation. I literally just fell into commercial real estate, decided to get my license, was told that you can't just jump into commercial. You're going to have to do residential. And mm-hmm. the best way to get me to do something is tell me no. <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, here I am, seven years later. Mm-hmm. So what? I mean, what was the interest? You had to have some interest there, like other than being told no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think for me, I, I've always been really interested um, with how markets work, mm-hmm. with how economies work, with how demographics come together and create a city or, or create this whatever we call it, yeah, this pocket of of retail. And I was always really interested in stores and food and restaurants and how do they work, what goes together, what works, how do you make sure it matches with the demographic and and how does growth work? And so... So is it like, did you play SimCity as a kid? Were you that kind of kid? (laughs) I think I'm maybe just a touch too old for that. (laughs) And Andrea, what, what brought you into this? I, I got my, my start at Albertsons as well, uh, 20 years ago. Um, I started on the pharmacy business development side there, which was they basically give you like four weeks of training and then release you to a territory, which I spoke Spanish pretty well at the time. So I ended up with Texas as my territory. And I went and cold called on independent pharmacists and convinced them to sell their business to Albertsons and then come and work for them. So it was a really interesting start. And then a uh, position came up in the surplus real estate department there. And so I applied for the position and that's, I handled all of the, from North Dakota West, all of the surplus for Albertsons for eight years. Mm -hmm. 
And then uh, left Albertsons and partnered with uh, a couple guys out of Southern California and was on the development side for four years. And then uh, Leanne and Tim took me out to lunch and convinced me to come to the dark side or the light side. Depends on which way you look at it. But uh, started with, with Hume Commercial, uh, Leanne's little little firm, and uh, here we are. So that brought you together. And then, Sarah, you kind of joined in. How did you all kind of come together and gel? I see all three of your names on signs all over town. So obviously you're doing a lot of work together. I, you know, I think it was probably about six years ago, we decided to write a business plan and dedicate ourselves to retail, tenant rep. We do a lot of landlord work too, and then retail investment sales. And we, we just decided to put the blinders on and, and just do that and, and not metal in any but any other food group as far as land and, and industrial. And this was our expertise anyway. We needed somebody to uh, be our junior broker. And Andrea is, or, or um, Sarah is just like the, if, if we could clone her, we, we would. And because we need to continue on with another junior broker and, and keep this going uh, for a long time. So she's just got the tenacity and the intelligence and um, the drive you know, to learn and become an expert. And she's absolutely done that. So um, we have this incredible team that just gels together. And we talk about it all the time. It's like magical where we don't have to say, you do this, you do that. It just happens. Right. And and we got really, really lucky. I mean, Andre and I have been friends for a very, very long time. Um, but we all have the same work ethic, which is which is imperative. Yeah. And hard to find. It is. And for us, it's everything's always been really organic. People come to us and ask, you know, how did you structure everything? How do you, you know, decide who does what, does what? Or how do you, you know, structure commissions? And for us, it's always just been easy. We like each other. We get along. Mm -hmm. We can communicate well. We hang out outside of work. Actually, that's one thing that I think is really different about our whole office. Our mm -hmm. whole office actually... After spending Monday through Friday together, we tailgated the football games together, we hit the mountains together, we hit the lake together, and so it's really a fun, it's just really a fun place to work. Mm -hmm. So I referenced before we started here, there was a Statesman article a couple of years ago that, that chatted with each of you, and it, it um, I don't know, played up a lot, but the fact that you're an all-woman team, mm -hmm. do you find that to be less unique as time goes on? Do you think that that's a big factor or do you think it's a non-factor in, in the market? I, I think we, we have a great assistant, Natalie, as well. So we do have an, an all-woman oh, yeah. all all team. But I think if you kind of go back and we look at what we've dressed up for or what we've dressed up as for Halloween, it kind of explains us a little bit. We were Charlie's Angels one year. <laughs> uh, we were the Spice Girls last year. Yeah. So I think it's just, um, I think it's always important in business that I think it's great when a group of women can come together sure. and be successful, and it's just absolutely incredible because there is zero drama, right. ever. We have a lot of women in our office. <laughs> we do, uh, on the brokerage side, and so and that's pretty rare. I, I would say it's probably 10% of the brokerage world is, is women, um, and so I think it is unique from that perspective, for sure. Um, and our, our office is what, probably? 50% 50 or women, yeah. as far as brokerage. It's so what it should be, right? I mean, mm -hmm. You guys yeah. are the model for maybe what it should be versus maybe yeah, reality. It's, it's definitely been a male-dominated industry yeah. for the last 100 years, for sure. I feel like it's a little less of an anomaly or feels like less of one now that we've been in it for so long mm -hmm. and, and 
the shock of it has worn off in our market. I will say when we go to conferences elsewhere and you're around a lot more people in our industry, it does still come up as being unique. And that's, I think, when we get the refresher of, oh, yeah, we are. We are unique. We are really doing something cool here. Right. Okay, so let's dig into some of the fun stuff. Let's talk about the market a little bit. And, uh, you know, I know you won't be able to talk about anything that's that's uh, proprietary to clients. We'll try and ask you some general questions and see where we go. Uh, tell us about some of the trends you're seeing. What's happening right now? We cover this every day on Boise Dev. And, and when I speak on panels and things, it's all about, boy, Boise's really hot. And But what are some of the real specific things that you think are making it such a hotbed of activity right now? Boise in particular? The, I should say the Valley. I, I use Boise yeah. as a kind of a catch-all for the Valley, yeah. Uh, we talk about this all the time. I mean, somebody said that there was 89 people moving here a day. I don't know what that statistic is, but right. I've lived here for my entire life, and I can feel it mm-hmm. um, for the first time, maybe ever, that, that we are growing at a tremendous pace. You can't go downtown anymore and get a, get a seat at a table. Right. Just off the cuff right. anymore. Got an um, open table or wait. <laughs> yeah. And traffic, obviously. But I mean, I think what we get phone calls all the time from people wanting to come into Idaho. <clears throat> we know tons of, of stories where somebody moves here, then their whole family comes to visit, then they all end up moving here. Tim Reed's a perfect example uh, from New Jersey. So, and your Tim Reed is just for people listening. Tim Reed was um, my original partner yeah. when we created Cushman and Wakefield uh, almost eight years ago. And so, um, he, you know, it's, it's um, I think it's obviously what everybody knows, quality of life. And, um, and I do think recently, which is interesting to me, is that um, I do think that people are leaving California to get away from uh, a more liberal political scene. And they feel like Idaho is more conservative. Um, so they are moving here for that reason somewhat. And then quality of life is a big one too. And then, and then just investment wise, people are selling things at a very low cap rate and they have to reinvest it and they, and they can do it by a better product here for lower price in, in Idaho so far. Well, and the money, the money that's flowing into California is I think mostly Asia driven. Mm-hmm. And so Asia is investing in California. California is looking to invest in other markets where they can get the same quality tenants like the Starbucks of the world or you know, the, the Arby's of the world, the CBS's, the Walgreens, they can get the same credit here on a lease for, you know, a better cap rate right. in, in the buyer's favor. So I always like to, if we use jargon here, like cap rate, mm-hmm. somebody explain cap rate for mm-hmm. people who might not be quite so in tune. Well, it's, it's the relation between the net operating income on a property and its value. So um, if you were to have a, a, a net operating income on a a Starbucks of $100,000 and you put a 10 cap on it, in theory, if you were to pay all cash for that property, you're getting a 10% return. Now, right. it gets very complicated when you have leverage and loans. Um, but if you were to purely pay cash for that on a 10 cap, you'd be paying a million dollars for that piece of property. Um, and then you're getting 10% return on your 100000 or your, your net operating income of your original. Yeah, investment. I think that helps yeah. if somebody's not in the CRE space. Yeah. They it's can it's kinda, a little yeah. bit more complicated, but that's a very Yeah, that's a good simple way to yeah. put it. Okay, what else? Anything else that's out there? I mean, you were seeing a lot of uh, particularly food sector folks moving in to the area right now and, and new options. Is that purely driven by housetops or are there other factors that are 
I think it's a mix. You know, the tenants that we're seeing growing will, I guess, back up a little bit. And there's the, still the information that gets out there to scare people about, oh, the Internet's taking over, brick and mortar's all going to die. And that's not what we're seeing. It hasn't been what we've seen, and it's still not what we're seeing. You know, there are the things like food that are always going to need brick and mortar spaces. And so we're seeing that being huge. We're seeing a lot of the new concepts that are coming in because they're replacing maybe some concepts that are old and tired and need to move away. And then we have just new stuff in general, and maybe it is an influx of people moving from out of state that are bringing a little bit more variety into our market. And with soft goods, we're still seeing them needing spaces, and maybe they're downsizing, maybe they're changing the layout, maybe they're changing the floor plan, but we're still seeing them need space in our market. And just the buzz of Boise, I think. We've got we've made a lot of lists, and uh, people are thinking, okay, we should probably put Boise on our radar somehow. You know, for a five-year plan, Boise needs to be on it. Right. So I had this question a little bit later in the rundown, but we'll skip ahead to it. I want to play uh, a game of soon someday or never mm-hmm. so and we i did not talk about this ahead of oh that's great okay <laughs> that's that's even better because yeah. i'm excited to hear so i'll explain the game <clears throat> i get asked this all the time and i'm sure you do as well mm-hmm. um when is blank coming mm-hmm. to town when are we getting blank and so i've got a list of it's actually just five so maybe after this we'll look at a couple others that you guys hear about but we'll start with uh we'll start with so soon meaning it's gonna happen soon someday eventually or probably not gonna ever happen uh we'll start with the big one the one that I get asked about constantly, which is Ikea. Who wants to take it? Someday. 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 Yeah. Someday. We all agree. So. Okay. As soon as we hit a million people mm-hmm. in our MSA, which is Ada and Camden County. Yeah. Yeah. And we're at about 750 now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we're growing pretty fast. Yeah. So you think maybe next 10 years that that's a possibility, yeah. 10, 15? Yeah, they might, they might actually have a restraining order against me right now. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've, I think I've called them no less than, oh, maybe 30 or 40 times on the uh, vacant Macy's box out in uh, Nampa. Yeah. And so it comes up a lot, right? I, I did a story this week about the outlet mall kind of pivoting a little bit more towards office. And people were like, mm-hmm. Ikea, do you see it being somewhere that's central, like Gateway or as they do in a lot of markets a little further off or what, what it'll do you think be central are, to the market i think, I think. yeah 10 miles something like that it's okay. definitely the trend with these bigger users that want to come into the market they want to be in the middle in the middle mm-hmm. okay okay so ikea we got a we got a unanimous someday uh the other one we hear a lot is in and out someday i think i've someday. been i've been working on that for eight years now and i was told eight years ago we'll be there in five years okay and the reason why they're not here now is distribution. Mm-hmm. And uh, same as you know, Panera mm-hmm. couldn't freeze their bread, and so that's why they weren't here for a long time. They do not, you know, they they have to dis- distribute fresh. fresh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, they can't freeze it. So yeah, we've also reached out to them a lot. So I got two Sundays. I didn't hear you pipe up. Yeah, I think it's a Sunday. Sunday. I will say I, based on what we've kind of looked at for all of those fast food burger users every time I just roll my eyes I'm like I don't why do we need more burgers she's not a burger eater. and I'm not much of a meat eater <laughs> well that'll do it right so it's selfish yeah so you just I guess on Ikea they are in Provo mm-hmm. they are in Beaverton so they're I mean they're kind of inching closer we're a little isolated do you think that that sort of geographic isolation hurts us in that process because it's not like there's going to be La Grande and then Boise they're probably going to skip straight to Boise next yeah I, I don't know on their distribution I mean their, their, their category is heavier too like literally 
heavier from a distribution standpoint. We were just talking with a retailer this last week and they said, we would love to be there. They're a very large retailer, very large box user, but they're like, we just cannot make it work right now based on the shipping cost of our products. Right. And so it is, I think if, if a lot of retailers could wave their magic wand and have their distribution solution in place, it would be a different conversation, mm-hmm. but it is a bit of a, you know, Salt Lake is a really large distribution hub. And so we do pull a lot of retailers and concepts and restaurants and a lot of concepts come out of Salt Lake to Boise, but they have to, they have to be coming from Seattle and Portland and Salt Lake all at the same time to kind of get here. Do you think that's why I'm always struck and I don't write a lot about Twin Falls, but I'm always struck when I'm down there that they seem to have everything we have. And is it because it's just more efficient to do Twin Falls and Boise from a distribution standpoint? Mm-hmm. Or? Definitely connectivity right back down to Salt Lake City through that corridor. Yeah. Idaho Falls, Rexburg, Pocatello, mm-hmm. Twin Falls, Burley, Blackfoot, Mountain Home. If they can string together, you know, three or four locations within that area to get them to Boise, it definitely, definitely makes a difference. Twin is an interesting market because it actually serves five counties. So on the weekend, their population is more like 250,000 people. So um, that's another reason. Twin twin is pretty, uh, it's not the market you would think it was. No, it's funny. You drive through it and you're just like, wow, this is like a little Boise in terms Mm -hmm. of what it has for retail mix. And their rents are not not cheaper than Boise either, which is interesting. Interesting. Okay. The next one is uh, maybe a little little out uh, of left field, Shake Shack. Hmm. We've we actually we talked actually, with them. Yeah, that and was going to happen at one point, but mm-hmm. they slowed down or something. Yeah, yeah, they looked really hard at the market and then decided maybe, maybe not right now. And they're franchisee. And we, 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 you know, we're a franchisee, a big franchisee market. Yeah. So uh, we have less corporate, uh, you know, concepts here, but it's becoming more so. Mm-hmm. We're, we're getting more corporate concepts here now where their corporate signing on the dotted line rather than selling to a franchisee than we've ever had before. And it'll probably just continue that trend. That shows faith in the market. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to end on a different one. I'm going to switch the order here. Duncan it used to be known as Dunkin' Donuts. Oh now just Dunkin'. They They're think, on the West Coast. They think Boise's in Iowa. That's yeah. how interested they are. They in, think in very highly of themselves. Yeah. They, we went to them at um, our big conference in Las Vegas and said, you know, Idaho, and they looked at me like I had two heads. Um, and so I, I think it's a perfect market for them. We used to have them, right? I mean, once upon a time, a long time ago, I think before they got big, I'm gonna have to go double check that, but I yeah. think that's true. I think we have one it, It's vaguely, like 40 years it's vaguely familiar. Um, they're franchisee, so they, so a lot of these concepts we call, mm-hmm. They, they would actually like to be here, but they have to go find somebody to buy a franchise and commit to three to five stores out of the gate and that those it's very expensive to become a franchisee yeah you know three to five hundred thousand dollars probably per store that comes out of their pocket the franchisees and they have to commit Mm -hmm. to to doing so many stores and so it's it's kind of a big deal if they had franchisees that wanted to be here i think we'd get a lot more concepts okay so about a year and a half ago, I wrote a story on a large department store based in Seattle uh, that almost came here and the deal kind of got messed up in the 80s and we've never had them since. And that is Nordstrom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
I'd, I'd say it's a never. I'm actually going with never. Um, and the reason why is because I don't believe, and I don't know this for a fact, but I have heard that the rack here does not do as well as it as it needs to be. Interesting. And some of their metrics they look at is um, if people from Idaho are going online and ordering from Nordstrom.com, that they will look at that data. And if there's not enough people ordering online from that site, and the sales here at Nordstrom Rack aren't doing well, they're, they'll, they'll never come. Yeah. I never want to say never, but I think it's it's tough. That one's yeah. going to be hard for us to get. We San Diego, you know, in the Gaslap district, mm-hmm. they just closed that store probably in the last two years, and that was kind of a shocker uh, when when they're starting to kind of especially in a high tourist. Yes, yes, like yeah. yeah. So I, I would say never on that one, unfortunately. But we have Nordstrom Rack. <laughs> well, I would say of the of the five we ran through there someday on all of them except for one so we've got some things maybe to still to come some things to cover on Boise sure. what else what else do you hear people are like oh I really just can you bring what do you hear well uh, <laughs> so my favorite that's out there um, and and I think you see a lot of these same comments I too would love to have Target in the shop coat. Okay. <laughs> I was going to get there. And <laughs> I will tell you, yes, we have. It was the very first call that we made when we started talking with the owner of that property. Yes, I have called them no less than thirty-five times since. Yes, so I have mapped. <laughs> I have mapped out the whole market for them. I have run all of the demos around each of their stores. In, in a multitude of arrangements. I have color-coded the, I have I've shown them all of the platted residents in Southeast Boise that are coming to this area. I've shown, I mean, they are considering it. So I'm, I'm working really, for anyone listening to this, I, it, it is my goal in life to bring Target to the shop co. I promise three you. Goals As a very, right. I do. I she has three goals. goals. If she can bring shields to this market, she will she will have made it. Um, and Cooper's Hawk downtown and this target deal. I mean, yeah, those she when she sets her mind to something, watch out. Okay. It, it, it's it, yeah. So I want to hit. I want to hit on all those because I don't want to let any of those go by. So we'll try not to forget. So so Target. Um, they obviously have stores. Two stores in Boise. One's on Eagle Road, so it's sort of in the Meridian mm-hmm. area. But um, they don't have one in Southeast Boise. Let's talk about the Shopco in general. That is a large box. I think you are marketing one or both of them in Boise. Uh, we we are working on both the both. Fairview and Milwaukee okay. location and the Broadway location. We do uh, on Fairview and Milwaukee. We will have a lease signed for fifty five thousand square feet of that facility probably in the next week and a half to two okay. weeks. So we're getting very close on that. We have another retailer interested in the remaining thirty plus thousand square feet. Um, I just keep telling all of them to go to Magical Foot Spa in the center and then they'll want to be there. So. Right, we go there all the time. Uh, yep. Um, so we are we are making some progress there. We do have the Shopco location under contract right now with a non-conventional retail user. It's going to require um, some approvals from the adjacent shop owner. We're talking about Fairview still? No. no right, right, right. Okay. So we are working down the road there. I don't, it's it's not an ideal user for the property. Selfishly, I, I wouldn't love to see it there, but for the benefit of our client and the owner, we are sure. pursuing the deal and we'll see what happens. But I think the, the reason that they haven't jumped on it, because it, it makes total sense for them to be there. And they're very focused on downtown urban okay. uh, markets right now. And so I've seen comments, 
why don't we get a target downtown? That sure. is not going to happen. No. That's a never. <laughs> well, I think, and I think Hawkins hoped to do that, right? At the area that's supposed to be the ballpark, they had put out renderings that looked an awful lot like oh. like an urban target. And I don't mm. think that they were able to make that spin. It's obviously mm. really close to an Albertsons and a CVS, and, or not a CVS, famously not a CVS, but a Rite Aid and a Walgreens. And so I think that developers would love to see that too. Downtown's a little tough in the Boise area, I think, right now. Yeah, Not I could be wrong about that, but yeah. that's my prediction. Yeah. Okay, so what, is, what does a home run look like for those big box shops? Because I know you guys have some things in the works. Outside of a Target, which I'm sure a lot of people would agree, especially at Broadway, with those large format stores, which are less and less common, mm-hmm. is a home run splitting it up, or are there uses that make sense there? A home run would be Lowe's taking, taking it outside of Target on, on Broadway. Mm-hmm. Lowe's or somebody that could utilize the entire box. I, I also have been reaching out repeatedly. Um, I have a good personal contact and relationship with Dick's Sporting Goods. <laughs> and it's really, as a mom of two boys that play every sport you can think of and living on this side of town, it's just so painful. We have nothing. And, and we have all these families moving out into Southeast Boise and all these active kids and the soccer complex and, you know, the baseball complex. And we have all of these I think this side of town is generally just ridiculously active and the closest option for sporting goods is the mall. I think part of our job and one of the things that we work really hard to do is to sell what we have in our market right now and what is happening where we see the future because we do get some of these like dicks or even target that look at the this part of Boise the eastern side and say I just it's not the economics we want there's not enough rooftops there's not enough population there's not enough growth and and part of what we have to do is show them yes there absolutely is it does make a lot of sense for you so do you think something like what happened at South Shore where Kmart closed that was empty for a long time <clears throat> Gordman's finally came in they took a part of it it didn't work and now it's you know back office for Albertsons do you think that that makes other retailers go like Yee. sure yeah and I, I always try to point out though too it's kind of like um, you have to have a good concept and I'm not saying that Gordman's wasn't a good concept. I'm just not sure the offering that they provided lined up with the demos that surround that site. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it, it is, I, I look at that across the restaurant business. You know, you have concepts that come in and they, all of a sudden you have 10, 10 players in one space. So you have Baja Fresh, you have Costa Vida, you have Qdoba, you have Chipotle, you have Cafe Rio. It's like, at some point, one of those guys is not going to make it, or right. two of those guys is are not going to make it. There's only so much space in that category, and when it starts to get oversaturated in that category, you're probably going to see the two that aren't doing as well pull up stakes. Survival of the fittest, I think, is a big deal, and that, and that I wish more people would take into consideration when I do see comments about bringing in national concepts and how that's killing the local guy, and, and you know... At the end of the day, it is survival of the fittest. So we have to think of it that way. It's actually it's actually making us better as a market. Um, the people that don't have consistent good service and consistent good food are not going to survive when you have other better concepts coming in. So it, it keeps everybody on their game. I think it should. Like Chandler's is never going to go anywhere. Sure. But, you know, as long as they keep doing what they're doing, 
we could get anybody in here and they're still going to be just fine. So I, I hope it keeps everybody, you know, really putting out their very best do because th- that's what we deserve, really. Do, in do you think market. it's like an ecosystem? I mean, if you ask the folks who own like Pizza Pie Cafe on Broadway or Magical Foot Spa on Fairview, they're probably hurting right now because the foot traffic has gone down. I'm sure they would love to see another shopco type retailer in there. I mean, those are locally owned businesses. Do you think that just having that mix really helps? Oh, sure. That's why everybody in their in their leases has a co-tenancy clause that says if this box goes out, I have the right to cancel my lease. Mm-hmm. Um, but like the Sally Beauty, for example, they've been there so long at the Broadway Shopco, they're doing just fine. They, they will always be just fine there because right. they have a following and they draw. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. I actually asked that question to one of my tenants this morning that is out um, in front of the Rosauer Center that we've just now put the Trader Joe's. Really? I, oh I didn't think I read Trader that Joe's. like four um, times. You know, it was interesting. I asked him about his sales when it was vacant and he said, you know, when, when they left, we really didn't feel a hit at all. We've, we've done well. We've kept growing. It's been great. And then I talked to him this morning and he's like, man, we are really feeling Trader Joe's. He's, so Rose Hours was kind of inconsequential when they left, but Trader Joe's coming in is really pushing the traffic through that center. He's like, we are, we are definitely up. So he was, mm-hmm. and that they opened last week. Yeah, uh, I may or may not have gotten a sales volume out of their first day opening that I can't share, but they, they opened very, very strong there. Yeah. It's very so exciting. That brings up a really good point, too, of the Shopco's and the Rose Hour. We all saw them slowly dying. Sure. And go, it's not like it was a quick, it was a booming, thriving business that left in the middle of the night. It wasn't bringing a ton of traffic mm-hmm. anyway. Right. So I don't think these students are seeing they're not hurting because those guys left, but would they love to see something that is actually going to be vibrant? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm sure the folks at the crossroads were thrilled to see the marketplace come in, oh, right? Which was man. unexpected for everybody. Like a second grocery use there, I think was a little surprising, but. Game changer. Yeah. Yeah, right. It's a yeah. beautiful store. It was mm-hmm. a beautiful store. Okay, so I want to hit, you mentioned this, I'll hit it quickly. So Shields, for people who don't know, this is a Utah-based sporting goods. North Dakota based. North Dakota, okay. Yeah. I think their closest store is, is Salt Lake. Correct. Uh, I'll share a little tiny bit of reporting and then you guys can add into this. I know that they have been talking to City of Meridian officials over the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, the City of Meridian, they're going to be mad at me if they hear this, uh, calls it, uh, they codename it, Project Ferris Wheel. Um, oh my gosh, that's that's yeah. really a great code name. Yeah, it was really really easy to figure out when I saw the documents. Um, so, but so they've looked at the market. They're a pretty big user. They're like a, kind of a Cabela's type user. Am I right in that? Even Large. bigger, bigger. And, and you were the you were the reason that they're even looking at. So, she is the reason that they're even looking here. And if I recall right, there just wasn't enough enough incentives for them to do the deal. And that's that's what's really crazy. And, and it's not that they don't want to be here. So I grew up in North Dakota. That's where I was born and raised. And, <laughs> and so I just called Steve Shield directly um, and said, hey, you know, I, every time I'm back there, uh, this is such a great concept. You have like great, good, like surfwear and ski wear and snowboard wear and lake stuff. And I mean, it's just, it's really cool catch all. And, and then now they've turned it into a quasi entertainment venue with what they bring with the with the shooting range and the Ferris wheel and the kind of odd presidential wax museum thing they have going on. But anyway, um, it's it's very engaging and, and it's it's great. But what, what's happening there is other cities and, and municipalities are coming up with better incentive packages for them. Outside so, of our area. Right. And so it's it's not like it's not that they don't want to be in Boise or they don't want to be in Meridian. 
but they get a better deal in Reno. Mm -hmm. So they do the store in Reno or they get a better deal in Salt Lake. So they do the deal in Salt Lake. So like they're doing five stores And they're a doing, year, you know, right? like one to two stores a year. So, and I mean, it's a very, very expensive build up. You've mm -hmm. seen their building. It's like when they commit, they need the incentives. They create a ton of jobs. It's a cool venue. Um, you know, you see them kind of, I think they caught, kind of fall in line with those, I call them dream users, you know, the top golfs of the world. Right the shields of the world. You put those in a complex, you throw in like the big owls. It's like, I mean, you go out to the village and it's a, the Meridian needed that village so badly. It's their gathering place. I was there the other night and they had their witches night out. It was packed and it, everyone was having a great time. And it, it's like, that's their sense of community. Mm -hmm. And so I'm, I'm gonna keep working on Steve Shields. <laughs> Do you look at a large piece of land like the the plot that the Kleiner Zone in Eagle and Fairview? I brought this up on Idaho Matters on Boise State Radio the other day. Huge piece of land across from the village of Meridian. Um, they didn't farm it this year for the first time. They let it go fallow and. Um, folks out there say there's no plans just yet but do you look at a big piece of land like that and go oh there's so many things we could do there is that kind of what you yeah but it's it's one of those things we constantly struggle with this as retail experts is we sometimes we have our personal hat on and sometimes we have to we have our <laughs> professional hat sure. on and so it, it serves us well but but we constantly have to make sure we have the right hat on um so as a as a person that lives here and i don't live in that area of town but it's already so busy out there yeah. that I don't know if that would actually be bad for that area to have something else there until we kind of catch up with how to handle all that traffic flow. I mean, it's terrible, but we don't go to Eagle Road very often, right? you know, because you have to have a lot of time to get, get places when you go in that area of town. So it could be a blessing and a curse at the same time to, to develop that piece in the next five years. Well, it's, I mean, it's already amazing if you were to stand in the middle of that intersection, which I don't really recommend. Yeah. And you look, and it's the busiest intersection in Idaho already, yeah. and then you've got an empty farm on mm -hmm. one corner. Yeah. You kind of go, boy, how much more can this handle? Right, exactly. Okay, you mentioned one more. Uh, you said a downtown use, and I didn't catch the name, Cooper's something? Cooper's Hawk. Mm -hmm. Cooper's Hawk. What we is saw, that? We saw that for the first time in Kansas City, right? Mm -hmm. Andre and I were doing a pitch in Kansas City. Yeah, and then uh, my, my sister lives in Ohio, so whenever I go to visit her, she picks me up at the airport, and it's this really great concept. It's uh, a great restaurant. And then they have a wine club and they do all these wine tastings and the food is fantastic and they produce these excellent wines and it's, it's just such a cool concept and we don't have anything like it here. And so I've, I've tried to go through their corporate real estate folks. I'm not making any progress. So finally, I'm, I just tried to connect directly with the CEO and founder on LinkedIn. Uh, so keep your fingers crossed. Maybe he'll respond. Sounds like maybe like I always look at the spaghetti factory over here on Main Street. Huge space, clear span, no poles, no columns. Sat empty because of the lease. I've reported on this. The spaghetti factory closed and kept paying the lease for like seven years, but now it's on the market. I mean, it's spoken. Well, it's actually it spoken one of our very good friends. Yeah, uh, has that under contract. He to moved go. here to to start a, the local Barclay Group uh, development company. Yeah. So he's oh. a good friend of ours, and he has it under contract. And I think he actually owns it. Something they already bought. Like Barclay so, owns it. Yeah, yeah. 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 They, but yeah. they yeah. they have a tenant. Uh, they have a tenant committed to that space, and they own the space next door too. The yeah. Louis, they also Louis, have so. a couple things going on I, there. Yeah. I know of at least one, so we'll yeah. check back in with the folks mm -hmm. who are there. Okay, so that leads nicely into downtown retail. It is changing a little bit. Um, you saw North Face shrink. Stay here, but shrink. 
mm-hmm. you've seen some other folks kind of adjust. Mm-hmm. If you go Christmas shopping downtown, it's a little thin. You kind of have mixed screens, you have North Face, you have Loft, you have like uh, Idaho Made, and a little few others, but it's not as dense as it once was. What do you see that looking like in 20 years as far as non-food retail downtown? You know, I've talked about this so much on panels and things over the years. And um, I think, you know, because my sister was involved with the village, she did a lot of the leasing in this in the South Phase uh, Lifestyle Center. And so when anthropology left, it was just I mean, there were literally tears, people. tears yeah. about that. And people were very upset. And it was kind of a village versus downtown situation. Urban Outfitters, like, kind of the same thing. Right. Yeah. So um, I've kind of said all along that when you put soft goods like Chico's and then you put, you put two other soft goods users like White House Black Market and The Loft across a five-lane road that a mom with her stroller is going to have to traverse all of this huge amount of area, which isn't, you know, relatively that big. And you guys have worked over there traditionally, right? Like that's where your office that's where our was offices, and you're yeah. moving, but. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's just, you have to have synergy. Those people should all be together. Now, can can we do that as a community? It's very difficult to say, here's where we're gonna have a row of, you know, soft goods users, and that's what we're going to do. That's, that's a huge undertaking to try to get everybody together because landlords have space and whoever wants to be there, that's where they go. And that's kind of what Mark Rivers tried to do in Bodo, and it kind of didn't work. And right. then Baum tried to do it on Idaho Street, and it also kind of didn't work. Mm-hmm. Is is it just because you can't get it to gel, and they don't stick, and they all fall off, or what's the... I think we've been experiencing, I mean, everyone knows, the growth that we've been experiencing over the last seven, eight, nine years has really changed our market as a whole. Mm-hmm. And I think we're having maybe some growing pains of figuring out almost who we are again because we have this influx of new people that are coming in and changing the dynamic. So I think we're going to continue to see that where we have to figure out our identity as a new Boise, as a new downtown, as we get more office space in, as people move around, as it grows and expands. And then we're going to be able to figure out, okay, where do we put the soft goods? Where do these go? And what makes sense down here? Because some of the stores, you know, maybe the price point's not right for who's down here. Well, and parking, always parking Mm -hmm. comes up, you know. Um, So I think, uh, I'm not sure how long it was. I I mostly walk downtown because we office down here. But I've heard a lot of uh, feedback that now they've they've started to charge for park, for metered parking um, in the evenings until Until 8 o'clock. 8 o'clock. And I think. And on Saturday now too. And that's, that, that to me, it's like, that's. For a, for a downtown business district that's really trying to grow and and people are getting used to parking in garages and navigating that scene, for for them to start charging for parking right now at this particular time, I'm just like, uh, I don't I don't know that I would have made that call, but I'm also not on the government side of things or the city side of things, so I'm an independent entrepreneur. But for me, <laughs> if I owned a business downtown and that had just come into play, I would I would not be excited about that. If you bring IKEA here, I guarantee you you could run for mayor and win. So <laughs> right, keep right. that in your back pocket. No, we're not letting her do that. Um, <laughs> um, I, I think I want that, Joe. I like downtown as I, I think we always should look at what we do have and 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 build on that, which is culture and dining and entertainment. Mm-hmm. I mean that that's really downtown Boise to me. And and we can still bop up to 
the mall and to the village and those have great, you know, and anthropology left there. If, if it wasn't for the village, they would have left the market completely. Sure. So we, they just didn't have the sales that they really needed down here to, to make it work. And downtown is more, I've always called it the adult playground. You know, this isn't necessarily where you bring your kids for a night out. You know, when my nieces come mm-hmm. to visit, we don't come downtown. We go out to the village mm-hmm. because that's what makes more sense for them to be set loose and run free. Mm-hmm. Uh, can't set do that loose. downtown. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the last thing we'll talk about here is uh, Boise Town Square. They, malls all over the country are certainly challenged. Um, I know you guys don't represent them, but I imagine you're probably adjacent to that a little bit. The mall here, I'm always like, boy, is it healthy or is it struggling? And it's kind of hard to tell. It kind of seems to bob and weave. What do you see the future for that? It's a big anchor for retail in Boise. Competes with downtown, competes with the village. How do you think it fares going forward? You know, I don't even look at those as competitive uses because Mm -hmm. they're completely different experiences Mm -hmm. and people are going, like the village is definitely an experience. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the the mall, I I would guess, uh, based on comparisons across the country, I think Boise Town Square is performing very well. Um, They've done a good job, I think, bringing in some different unique tenants uh, to kind of try to mix it up a little bit. But I would say, generally speaking, when I have to go there for something, which usually involves the Apple Store, um, it's it's vibrant. Yeah, it's vibrant. It's but I it's I know what you're saying. I think there there has been things that have come in and then subsequently gone out. You do kind of look at it and say it's looking great, and then you go back and there's some closed concepts. You're like, what's going on? Yeah. I think you know clearly across the country, enclosed malls are trying to figure out who they are going to be in the future to compete with the villages of the world because it has to be more than just a go shop experience. There has to be an entertainment or a lifestyle component or something that draws people there. And so I think they're really struggling with that. I I hope the mall will always be vibrant because it it is the closest thing that we have in the East Boise, you know, to a shopping experience. But the seers of the world, you know, when those big box users go out, what they end up putting in there, I think will be a big determinant because if they put something really subpar in there out of desperation, it could really like bring down, you know, the, the, the whole mall and, and the perception of the mall. Mm-hmm. And so those are, those decisions are going to be key. So Seritage, which owns the, it's the Sears spinoff that owns the, mm-hmm. the Sears spot before the store closed, they had gone out to the market. I'm sure you all know this, but just for listeners, they'd gone out to the market and said, we're going to split the Sears in half. Essentially, we're going to sell the back half off before they could get deals done. Sears corporate said, no more Boise. We're done with that store. Um, the mall's going to have a new GM, so it'll be a change in direction there. What do you think? And I know you're not representing this, but what does a home run look for like there? They waited a very long time after Mervyn's closed for Coles, and I think that was successful. With that Sears spot, what I mean, what do you think it looks like? Oh my goodness! If you were them, what would you say? This is what we should have here. Well, I mean, us waving our magic wand and what actually really happens sure, sure. in reality are two different things. Sometimes, I mean, I would love to see just off the cuff like a really cool entertainment use there, like a Big house mm-hmm. you know, to serve kind of like the mall east it, rather than pe- everyone having to trek out to Eagle. the village. Mm-hmm. Uh, we really don't have a good entertainment use on the east side of town. If you think about it, really nothing. There's no... David you know, Busters, mm-hmm. I suppose, yeah. Right, and that without when, yeah. I don't know Different, how well they do there other yeah. than, you know, certain nights of the year, but um, 
Yeah, but something that's very family oriented, mm-hmm. that's that everyone likes. Big Big Owls is like a home run. Mm-hmm. Something like that there would be great. But the reality of getting somebody to make that sort of investment is um, is tough. Well, just structurally, I did tour that a few years ago with an entertainment user, and the ceiling heights Aren't are tough. Yeah. They're really Absolutely. tough. So I, I don't know how you fix that. Yeah. Do you think it's something that. that's split up and, and is uh, maybe one use in the upper level, one use in the lower level? I mean, it could be a complete demo. Yeah. yeah. And uh, parking and then a new building on the on mm-hmm. the pad. You know, it doesn't come cheap with construction costs the way they are today, but... And it's interesting. You've got the you know the new hotel going in. You have J.C. Penney that was marketing its parking lot for for a hotel, which Darren, the former GM at the mall, pushed back on. I was like, that's that, that's tough. But it is interesting because there are, there is some evolution there. We're now into what thirty years of the mall in Boise, so it's not like it's a new thing anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Any what else? Anything else that we should talk about that you're like, oh, we should talk about? I mean, I know we're we're kind of covering the entire Treasure Valley. We are, I do yeah. think it's. Uh, probably one of the most interesting and exciting projects that we're working on right now is Karcher Mall. Yeah, okay. And so we are starting the demo work out there this week. Uh, We'll be demolishing 80,000 square feet and adding 288 units of residential. So let's describe that a little bit if people haven't seen. Yes. Tearing Uh, out the middle portion, right? So the portion that's adjacent to more furniture. Yep. Uh, kind of the middle section, roughly 80,000 square feet of that is going to be demolished to create a pathway through the center to the back. 288 uh, residential units in the back. We are realigning the power lineup uh, with Ross, and then we have another deal that is we've agreed to all the business terms. We're finalizing the lease for another soft goods user. Um, and then we are working with a footwear, a couple of footwear providers to fill in that lineup. So we have a really a completely redesigned site plan, adding one pad building where we have one restaurant user committed already with uh, about 3,200 square feet remaining there. And then call center space. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got a lot. Around the back. We've got yeah. 120,000 square feet that we could do call centers mm-hmm. uh, in there. And there's been five or six or seven that have been running around lately, but none of them seem to come to fruition unless they're finding other spaces. But that's a great location for that. Well, one. that Just almost goes back to like the Shields stuff where when call centers come and they're looking for you know net new call center to our market they're not just looking at Boise they're not just looking at Idaho they're looking at Washington Oregon Utah you know so you know we're competing with all that mm-hmm. and I think with Karcher one of the reasons we're so excited to see this happening is we've been working on it for so long and there's been so many people saying no it's not going to happen there's been a lot of naysayers there's been for sure it's been yeah. proposed because in it's fairness been, it's been proposed a number of times yeah, right. it hasn't happened yet. right yeah. but yeah. the new ownership group is committed and, and aggressive and they're ready to go Mm-hmm. And well funded, it seems like too. Yep, yeah, yep. yeah. Okay, well, Andrea Nilsson, Sarah Shropshire, and Leanne Hume, thanks for joining us today. Thank, thank you. you.